This morning we come to the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And in so doing, we encounter two familiar parables. Um, if you've spent much time in the church, you've probably heard about these parables at different points. Parables are, are stories with, with truths in them um, and used to help teach us things, to capture things. And as we come to it today, one, one scholar commented on, on these specific parables saying that the parable of the ten bridesmaids or the foolish young women, they thought that the task was easier than it actually was. And then we hear the parable of the talents. And in that parable, we were reminded the wicked servant thinks that it's actually harder than it turns out to be. And the truth is, people land on all sides of it. There are some who think when it comes to following Christ, right, that it's, it's, it's easy, it's convenient. And so when it gets in at all challenging, it kind of starts to reveal the fact that they're actually not into it. Others begin to think that following Christ is a burden because they see it as this list of things you should do and things you should not do. Yet this text calls us to intentionally work hard at being faithful to Christ as we know that the end will come. Right? I mean, that's the setting. Jesus has been asked, when will the world end? And that was the beginning of Matthew 24. And and now for two entire chapters, he's talking about how the end of the world will come about. And Jesus shares there what what might motivate us for long-term faithfulness. And I think it's just a simple truth that it's loving the master. Loving the master. And, and, and it comes out, the reality is, I think what we see through these two parables today is this big truth. That faithfulness on that day, the day of judgment, faithfulness on that day is revealed by faithfulness on this day. She's saying it's not working. Okay. Um, and, and so listen, faithfulness on that day the day of judgment is revealed by the faithfulness that is on this day and so it's important for you and i as we examine this and wrestle with it these two parables let them compel us to remain faithful that's what jesus is dealing with saying the end of the world is going to bring much birth pains right there's going to be wars famines rumors of war the love of most people he says will grow cold there's going to be really hard it's going to be a lot longer getting here than you think and there's going to be a great difficulty in remaining faithful to Christ. And so Jesus says, do you want to know if you'll be faithful on that day? Then ask yourself, are you faithful on this day? Because what you're doing now is a revelation of, of really who you're going to be then. And so Jesus shares two parables. And I think the first one reveals this truth. Be wise by remaining faithful even when God tarries. Be wise by remaining faithful even when God tarries or God delays. So look what he says. Jesus begins talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, or it may say ten bridesmaids. It's talking about this picture of a wedding that's coming. Who says these ten virgins or ten bridesmaids, they took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. So the story begins by setting before us that there's real reality. There's two opportunities or two positions you can be in. You can either be wise or what? Foolish, right? It's two different paths, right? Throughout the Bible that those paths are laid before us, right? Just constantly wise to follow God in his ways, to follow Christ, to be faithful or to be foolish, to reject the word of God, to look to your own way, to your own desires, And so this is set before us. The wise are prepared. Notice what it says there. For when the foolish took their lamps, they take no oil with them. That's why they're foolish. They're not prepared. They're not ready. They're not living out their faith. 
But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. So the wise are those who are prepared. They're ready. They're staying vigilant. They're living in accordance with the truth, right? We're seeing their commitment to stay true to Scripture, to stay connected to the local church, to invest in the gospel. And then the challenge comes, verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. They're not condemned for being tired or weary, falling asleep, sleep, right? I mean, it's, it's, they're not being condemned for that. It's just a reality. Is, is Jesus saying, the disciples have asked, when will the end come? And he's been telling them, the end's going to be a lot longer coming than you think. And the temptation will be is, because it's so long in coming, is that we begin to get tired or weary and think, it's not going to come. But that delay, right, I, I, I once heard a preacher say it's been just, just this great truth that keeps ringing in my ears, that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. So just because God is delayed seemingly in coming doesn't mean that he's not coming. And so watch what happens, verse 6. But at midnight there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Here's kind of how Jewish marriage worked in that day and time. Is there will be a time in which the man and the woman would come together, they would exchange their vows legally. All right, and then there will be this waiting period, right? So you see Mary and Joseph, they're kind of in this waiting period. They've exchanged vows, but that yet they've not come together and consummated the marriage, right? That's the point at which Mary, right, is by the power of the Holy Spirit, she conceives. And so Joseph legally would have to divorce her. He wants to do it quietly, but they're in this betrothal period, right? This period in which they've exchanged vows, but they've not yet come together as husband and wife. So during this time, right, the bride would go back to her home, right, with her family, with those that are close to her, and they would be awaiting for the groom to return. The groom likely, many times, would return late at night. It's likely because he and his family would be working all throughout the days, and then he would come, right, kind of this triumphal procession in the night, yelling to his bride that he's come, he and all of his boys and everybody. I mean, it's just like this big celebration. And they would come, and you would need your torch, because there would likely be a long walk back from the bride's home, back to where the groom and her are going to live. And, and so you would need that torch, right? And so guess what? If you didn't have a light, it was kind of an indication you're a party crasher, right? You're not a part of the group. So you need that flame, that light, that torch to be ready. It's, it's, it's dramatic, right? Because notice again, it's, it's a midnight cry, right? It's just this dra- dramatic moment. Like when you maybe think that you least expect for him to come back or return, he shows up. Now, the imagery shouldn't be lost on us of what Jesus is saying. He's saying to us as the church, listen, you, you've professed that you're a follower of mine. And now, you're waiting the day when I'll return back. And the question is, are you staying faithful? So when it talks about the ten bridesmaids, right, it's not just talking about ladies in that day and time. It's he's using this parable, this story, to talk about all of us. We right now. If you have professed Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are awaiting the day when the groom, Christ, will return. The bride is the church. We are awaiting that day. And the question Jesus is saying is, will you be faithful? Will you stay faithful? And notice what happens immediately. The foolish say to the wise, verse 8, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Right? Immediately they're they're asking for extra oil. The wise, look what they say, verse 9. They answer back saying, since there won't be enough for us and for you, go rather to dealers and buy for yourselves. Right? The wise refuse, not because they're stingy or don't love their neighbor as their self. Right? Because like, why wouldn't they just share? Because the parable is to have a point. And the point is this. 
You can't share your salvation with someone else. No matter how godly your parents were or your grandparents were, no matter if you've grown up in the church all your life, guess what? The salvation is yours. You must repent and believe upon Christ personally. Your grandparents can't save you. Your church attendance can't save you. You must have a personal, real relationship. That's one of the reasons why we as Baptists, we don't baptize infants here. Because we believe it's a personal relationship, right? It's believer's baptism. Those who have truly repented and believe it's a personal faith. So that's what Jesus is saying. It's not, again, that we shouldn't love our neighbors ourselves. He's giving a point. Biblical scholar Matthew Henry kind of talks a little bit about these foolish five. And And he says that something's deeper happening here. And he says the reality that they don't have the oil that they need actually reveals what's happening in their heart. And he says these words. I'm going to quote it. It's a little ancient language, so it's kind of hard. We'll just talk through it just for a moment. It says, they will see their need of grace hereafter when it should save them. Who will not see their need of grace now when it should sanctify and rule them. In other words, he says, they want salvation but not sanctification. They want to go to heaven when they die, but they don't want to be holy now. They want Jesus as Savior, but they don't want Him as Lord. And Jesus Himself calls these people foolish. He says, on that day, they will see and realize they need saving, but they've rejected it their whole life. Maybe that's you today. You're just here and hearing the gospel, but foolishly, you are rejecting the call to come and believe upon Christ. The warning is, on that day, no one will be able to save you. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to repent and believe. Listen to what unfolds next in the text, verse 10 through 12. And while they were going to buy, so the foolish leave, right? The five run off. The bridegroom shows up, right? They've heard the cry. He's coming! He's coming! Everybody gets ready, right? They say, give us some extra oil. We don't have enough for us and for you. Go. And so they scurry off into the village trying to find at a late midnight hour somebody that might get them some oil. The bridegroom shows up while they're off. And they begin to take the marriage processional back. They go in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut, so they return back. Afterward, the other virgins, right, the other bridesmaids come also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. The faithful and wise bridesmaids had prepared, right? They'd experienced a long delay, but they had continued to remain faithful. Soon after comes these other five who have gone out, right? And they begin to come to the door crying out, Lord, Lord, open to us, right? But Jesus doesn't open the door. And and the point Jesus is making here is that if we are living faithfully today, then we need to know that when that day comes, we'll be left outside the kingdom. If we aren't living faithful today, Jesus says, I want to warn you. That you'll be left outside the kingdom. In other words, faithfulness on that day is actually revealed by faithfulness on this day. If you want to know, am I ready? Then Jesus says, look at your life now. Be prepared now. And I think, again, it's vital to remember that this is a parable or story with a point. We might assume that Jesus would just open the door. Like, after all, I thought he was gentle and humble at heart. I thought he said, come to me, whoever would, 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 right? If anyone would come, I'll open the door. Like, I mean, I thought that was, that's who Jesus was. But Jesus is revealing a truth about these five. And the truth is, they never truly wanted him. They may have wanted to be in the kingdom and a part of the party, but they didn't really actually want him. They didn't cherish him. They weren't faithful to him. 
And so Jesus says, look what he says to them in verse 12, or again, after their statement, Lord, Lord, open to us, right? I mean, you hear Matthew 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do many miracles and mighty works? I mean, it, it sounds similar, right? He says again, they're going to show up. Look what happens here. But he answers, truly, I say to you, or verily, I say to you, the truth I'm telling you, I do not know you. The word know there is an interesting one, right? He, he doesn't say I used to know you. He says, I do not know you. This is probably one of those moments, again, like where the original language is it's just a help. Like some things in English we just don't see because of the original language. I encourage you. That's, again, you have a blessing of many Bible translations. One of those is the Young's Literals translation. And what it does is it follows the original languages pretty rigidly. It's hard to read, but it reveals some good truth. And so what it says there in, in the Young's Literal is about this verse. It says these words, Verily I say unto you, I have not known you. And that's what the text is indicating. When Jesus says to you, I do not know you, he's saying, I've never known you. It's not like I used to know you. At one point you were serious. He says, I've never, ever known you. Now remember, these are the bridesmaids. They're apart. They've got lamps. They're waiting. They know the lingo. They're hanging out with the other people who are legit. You can't actually tell they're not true followers. But Jesus says, I've always known. You see, Jesus is always past the pretending of you're in my heart. He, he, our, our mask, he, he sees to the heart, doesn't he? He says, I, I, I don't know you. I've never known you. The story concludes with this, this warning. Verse 13, watch therefore. For, he says, you know neither the day nor the hour. Emily and I had the opportunity many years ago to go with... Uh, we're back in youth ministry here, and we had an opportunity to go with a young lady to go visit a family member in federal prison. And I'll never forget, after we had that meeting, and we get up to leave. And as we walk out, man, you hear these big, boom, boom. And as we just walked out that day, I remember just Emily and I being quiet, and that, that, the individual we were with, there, it, was, it was just tears. It was just a hard moment, because the realization was is. They couldn't come with us, and we couldn't stay with them. It was just this real separation. As those doors hit, and we walked out this side on out, of the, and they returned back to their cell, it was just this emotional, hard moment. Jesus here, guys, says, I want you to know that there's going to come a day when the door will close. It happened with Noah and the ark. There came a day when the foolish would reject that gospel that Noah was preaching. That's what Peter says. He was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was. He was preaching the gospel, and those people weren't having it. But there came a day when the door shut. So it was in the, in the city of Sodom and Lot's home. There finally came a day when the... I'm struggling to say day and door, but there came a day when the door shut. Guys, I just want to be straight up and honest with you. There's going to come an eternal day when the kingdom of heaven's door will shut. And the foolish think that they've got more time to get that right. And Jesus says, you don't know the day or the hour. You're not ready. You, you, you don't know when I'm coming back. So it's a compelling call to all of us today to repent and believe, to cry out to Christ as Lord and Savior. God, not only save me, but God, sanctify me, transform me. I no longer want to live this way. I want to be free. I want to honor and glorify you with my life. To the believer, are you walking in faithful obedience to the word of God? What a terror it might be 
to hear and consider today that there might be some amongst this very church who think they are ready, but deep down there is no true love for the Master, and that day they will stand outside. Contemplate it for a moment. I think in regards to discipleship, there's some application here just for a moment. I think this parable has to compel us to consider the lives of others around us, doesn't it? I mean, who's someone right now that maybe you know that's saying they're a follower of Christ, but you just aren't seeing the fruit, the evidence of living out their obedience of that good confession. In obedience to this parable, I want to ask, how do you plan to go to them and just warn them? In love and humility, but just compelling them, brother, sister, I love you. I, I just I, help me understand. I, I want to compel you to live faithfully, to not forsake gathering with the local church. Maybe it's someone that's just stepped away from your Sunday school class. Have you reached out? Maybe a phone call, maybe a letter, maybe a visit, maybe a text. Brother, sister, I love you. I just miss you here. Maybe it's somebody you used to serve with in this church. And man, just for whatever reason, circumstances, things in life, you just don't see them serving anymore. Might this just text just compel you to reach out to them out of love and concern for their soul? Brother, sister, I love you. I'm concerned about you. Why? Because faithfulness on that day is revealed by faithfulness on this day. This text ought to compel us. Of this first truth, the parable is a reminder that following Christ is not easy or convenient. Those ladies thought it was easy and convenient, and they could do it later and get serious then. The second parable now reminds us that it's unwise to see following Christ as a burden or to see it as this list of do's and don'ts. And so it comes to this as truth. Stay faithful because you're stewarding the Lord's resources and He will demand an account. Stay faithful, church, because you are stewarding the Lord's resources and He will demand an account. It's a rather lengthy parable, but I think maybe three big truths I want to throw at you today to maybe just wrestle with and digest. The first one is this, is that leadership is stewardship. Leadership is stewardship. I can still remember, it's probably been 12 plus years ago, I was with Emily's dad at a conference. I can hear this guy on uh, on stage. He was preaching through the book of Daniel. And I remember him just saying that statement, that leadership is stewardship. And just considering that moment, that everything that we have ultimately is a gift from the Lord. And that's what part of this parable just tells us, that leadership is stewardship. It's a gift. Look what he says beginning in verse 14. For it will be like, he's saying again, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he had made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. The story has a way of compelling us to remain faithful by reminding us that everything we have is ultimately the Lord's. Look what he notices there again. Just a couple things that stand out. Notice he calls us first servants. Notice second that he's entrusted to us. It's not our property, it's his. We're just stewards of it, right? So we're servants, we're stewards. Notice what he does. God's the one who gives the talents. Five, he gives two, he gives one. And then this statement right here. How does he give? He gives according to each person's what? Ability. Isn't that encouraging? I mean, he doesn't give the same to everyone, but he gives to us according to our ability. That's good news. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a tendency to try to compare myself to others. 
I think, man, if I just preach more like that podcast, that guy here, or I see him online, I can just see, I'm just thinking, man, if I was just more like that, if I could just preach a little bit better, a little bit clearer, a little bit, again, I'm always trying to grow, but there's times in which we can begin to compare ourselves to think, man, if I was just more like that person, right? If I had the gift of singing like that person sang, man, I'd be up there. If I could teach like they taught, I'd definitely be working with the children and youth. If I had the patience that person had, you know what? I'd be driving the bus. If I had the gifts they had, man, of hospitality and stuff, you better believe I'd be there with funerals and entertainment meals and I'd be helping in all these areas. I think that's what we're going to find here, guys, is the tendency can become that we start to give excuses. And the reminder is that guess what? God's the one that gives us our talents and he gives it according to our ability. So we ought to be, as servants and stewards, just faithful and obedient in that. To use what God's given us. The question is, like, well, Blake, what are, the, what are these talents that he's talking about? Right, a talent was just some type of form of exchange in that day and time. Often it was gold, okay? And one talent has been known to be up to equal 20 years' wages. So to give the one man five talents would be equal to how many years? A hundred years, potentially. All right, that's a phenomenal gift. Right? I mean, he gives this person. But I think the focus of the story isn't primarily the amount, but instead how they use or how they steward what God has given them. So I want to ask you, how are you stewarding what God's given you? Are you using it faithfully? Again, the different gifts and abilities he's given you, the way he's created you. Right, we talked about it before, but desire, like there's just some passion desires that you have that, man, you just, you just, man, when that, when you get that opportunity to do that, like you are in your zone. Like you're just like, man, I cannot wait to do that. I love, I love serving. I love cleaning up after people. I love, I love to help teach and work. I love to drive the bus. I love to be involved in missions. Right? I, it's just, man, it's just who you are. It's not just something you occasionally do. I was reminded, Emily and I and the crew, we went to Bowling Green yesterday. And we were walking in a restaurant, and one of the Kentucky Changers, one of my old crew chiefs, walks out. I was like, bro, what's up? And we were loving and dapping and like all that because we're cool, right? But listen, I was like, man, what have you been doing? He's like, well, we've been in Russellville today. We were putting on a porch and doing a rant for somebody. He's like, man, the rain came and just... You see, Changers isn't just something that he does. It's just really who he is. So it gives him an opportunity that week to express that or those weeks... But the reality is that's who he, that's his passion, that's his desire. He loves to serve the least of these and use the gifts God given him. I ask, are you doing that? Those desires and passions and the gifting that you have, they meet those opportunities. It's a reminder of this person here again, again, in verse 18, the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. The ancient story goes that this soldier had been a part of the battle, and evidently he had been cowardly, retreated at some point, and they bring, he's in Alexander the Great's army. And so he brings him, they bring him after the day that they find this soldier, they bring him in the tent before Alexander the Great, and the assumption is likely he may be killed. They're not sure. And as he stands before the great Alexander the Great, he says, Soldier, what's your name? And the man responds, Alexander, sir. He said, I said, Soldier, what's your name? Alexander, sir. A third time. Alexander the Great asked him, Soldier, what's your name? Alexander, sir. And he says, well, then either change your name or change your character. If you're going to have a name like Alexander, he says, I expect, right? He's saying, I'm expecting that you're going to live and be faithful and not be a coward. Guys, if you are a follower of Christ, you have the name Christian. 
That means follower of Christ or devoted to Christ. I want to ask you, does your life reflect that? Does your life reveal that you are actually a follower and devoted one of Christ who denies the pleasures of this world just like your Savior and follows Him? I want to ask, how are you stewarding the different opportunities God's given you? Are you currently serving right now in the church body? Are you looking for different ways to be on mission with us? Are you giving sacrificially of your finances? If you're waiting for the perfect moment to go on missions or to start serving or to really start giving, guess what I want to let you know? That perfect moment will never come. These parables are to remind all of us that we are to be faithful today because faithfulness on this day reveals that we'll be really faithful on that day. Leadership is stewardship. The question is, right, are you being faithful? Secondly, right, stewardship is accountable. So if leadership is stewardship, then stewardship is accountable. Look what Jesus shows us again here, beginning in verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Further, verse 22. And he also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It's interesting, right, this statement here, verse 19. Now, after a long time, right, Jesus says that in the story of, of the ten bridesmaids that the bridegroom was delayed in coming. We heard last week in Matthew chapter 24, verse 48, that that wicked servant says, my master's delayed. And so he begins to beat his fellow servants, eat and drink with, with, with drunkards and live it up. This is now the third time in three parables that Jesus is saying it's going to be delayed in coming. And that's what makes it so hard. Every single parable, that's the tension. Is that the end doesn't come as soon as people think. And so they begin to live any way they want. And the reality is none of us know today or the hour. Jesus has already said that. But I think the truth is sometimes we apply that same way to death. I'm assuming that most every single person in here is not assuming they'll die today. Most of us are already all probably imagining in some ways that you'll get old. And you're thinking about how life will look for you the next 20, 30, 40 years, 50, whatever you may be. And that delay, guess what, can also tempt you to think you've got more time to really get serious about following God and staying true to His Word and connecting with the church and going on mission and doing all. Like you just think there's just more time. And Jesus warns that's the danger as you begin to get lazy. That's what he says about this servant here, this other servant. He's going to get lazy. But look what he, he compels those. Look, verse 21 and verse 23. His master says to the one who had five talents who gains five more, and the two that has two talents and gains two more, his master says to him, verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. Right again in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. Right, despite their different abilities, despite the different talents that they were given, both are rewarded. Why? Because they've been faithful. They had acted prudently and wise by considering that the kingdom of God was more important than the things of this world. They, they're living out the truth that Jesus told us in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else, what? Will be added to you as well. 
But stewardship is accountable. And so, man, we're excited. We love to hear this good news about accountability and like getting rewarded. Like that's encouraging. We'll come to it again more in a minute. But the reality is if the person that had five and gained five more is accountable and the person that got two who gained two more talents is accountable, that means the person who got one and hit it in the ground is also accountable. Why? Because leadership is stewardship and stewardship is accountable. Look what happens. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Notice what the... the, the lazy, right? This wicked and lazy servant. Look, that's what he accuses his master of. Master, verse 24, I knew you to be a hard man. In other words, he felt like his master wasn't fair, right? Like maybe you didn't give me the talents that you gave to other people, right? Maybe you didn't give me the abilities that those people had. We kind of talked about it earlier, and that can almost lead you to this place of being like just comparing yourself to others. And you're like, well, if I had what they had, if I was just retired, if my kids were already gone, Right. If things were just better situation, like you start to make all these reasons why you can't serve the Lord and be faithful to him. And the master accuses that person of being lazy and unfaithful. And maybe we just need to ask, would he say anything similar to you? In other words, have you been finding just reasons why you can't serve and follow him faithfully? Jesus is exposing the excuses here. This word feels like, man, this, he feels like he's, he's a hard man. He's not fair. He thinks, well, again, he didn't give me like he gave to the others, but guess what? You're, you're the master anyway, so any profit I gain is going to be yours, and if I lose it, you'll probably be mad at me. Like, it feels like a no-win. Like, it's just too hard. Like, there's too many do's and don'ts in this Bible. And that servant and all those who feel that way ultimately are missing the heart of Christ. His gentleness, His forgiveness, His humility, His love, His act of sacrifice on their behalf. I want to compel you. I, again, I, I don't know where you are. Maybe today you just, man, you just feel like, you know what? You're right. I, th- th- this is true. I, I need to be faithful. It, it's time for me to get off the bench, so to speak. There's a book by Kevin DeYoung. It's called Just Do Something. In the book, he, he spends much time talking about how some folks, man, just we spend a lot of time like tinkering, like trying different churches, trying different jobs, this opportunity, just trying to figure out like where's the sweet spot, like God, where do you want me to be? Others are like just paralyzed. I like, just feel like, man, I, I'm just not sure. And so, like instead of like trying, even trying these different things, just like just do nothing. And at times we can cloak that in like I'm trying to seek God's will, but I think the text, and that's what DeYoung makes the point in this book, is that God's revealed His will to us. It's to love God and love people. And so in light of that, guess what? See what your passion is and go do something. I had a buddy remind me just here recently, God's not calling us to be famous. He's calling us to be faithful. So where is it for you? What's God calling you to do? Do you sense your heart and your desires? There is a compellingness to go and do something. Is there a season of prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord? Absolutely. I'm not saying that. 
But if that lasts years upon years, and that's been, guys, that's not what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to invest in the kingdom, to live faithfully today. Why? Well, because leadership is stewardship. Stewardship is accountable. And this accountability that's coming, guys, it's eternal. Listen to how the text, verse 21 and verse 23, to the one who was faithful of five and the one who was faithful of two, the master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He reiterates that same exact thing. Both servants are faithful to their master. Look what happens here again. How encouraging is this? Listen to this. You've been faithful over what? A little. Isn't that encouraging? I mean, do you ever feel that way at times? Like, man, little old me? Do I make any difference? Does anybody notice? Does anybody care? Am I making that big a difference in the way in which I'm serving or ministering the church or the community or how God's using me and my family? At times it may just feel like really, really little. But Christ says on that day, I'll remind you that what I was looking for is not whether you had little or much. It's just whether or not you were faithful. Were you faithful? And he says, listen, here's the result for those who are faithful. I will set you over much. I will set you over much. You, You had little, but much is coming for those who have been faithful. And then I love that last statement. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. You know what's a foretaste of eternal joy in him? It's finding joy in him right now today. It's finding that he is our joy right here and right now. It's the joy of knowing Christ that compels us to serve. It's the joy of Christ that compels us to go on mission. It's the joy of Christ and knowing that we have been saved and born again by the Son of God that compels us to go to this, com- this community on August 25th. But again, accountability is eternal. And man, those are encouraging, hopeful moments. But the reality is accountability is coming for everyone. No one escapes. This is what happens at the end. Verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to be gentle, but I want to be honest with you. This is Christ telling you before it happens. So that you won't be caught off guard that he's going to hold you accountable. He's not trying to pull any punches. This is just him being straightforward and honest with you and me. Saying that he's going to hold us accountable for how we have served and how we have lived. Faithfully or not. So I just want to ask you today. like, This is, this is the warning. And, the, and what... what seems to scream throughout this text is that faithfulness on that day is revealed by faithfulness on this day like man are you being faithful right now the wicked and lazy servant knows what he says he's cast in that outer darkness i mean he says they're thrown into hell just like those five wicked lazy bridesmaids are left outside the kingdom the door shut and it never opens I think the failure of of those five bridesmaids and the failure of this wicked and lazy servant is this. It's bigger than their failure just to do something. The bigger failure is this. There's a bigger failure. And it's the failure to love their master. Just not loving him. By God's grace, Emily and I have been here almost 17 years now. That means that when we came, 
Pavey was like, Bailey Allen, you were Pavey's age. I mean, it's crazy to consider. And guess what? Through that time, we have seen some good and faithful servants. And you might ask me, Blake, what about it? As you walk with this, this church body and you've seen what makes some so faithful, so consistent, serving week after week, year after year with joy and passion. And I think here's the one thing that stands out to me. They are in love with Jesus. It's just over and abundant. Like, man, it's just they're in love with Jesus. I, that's the one thing I can describe about their lives. That doesn't mean they always get it right no more than I always get it right. But if you watch them, man, you're going to see them just week after week worshiping. And if you're with them in small conversations, at times you're probably just going to hear the Bible, the Word of God just begin to pour out of them at different points. There's humility on their part, right? They're just looking to Christ. They often see themselves as little, not really significant, maybe in the grand scheme of things. And man, if you're fortunate enough to be around them and hear them pray, what you hear, it's like a child talking to their father. They actually know him. And they're in love with him. After 40 years, or 50, I mean, we are blessed in this church to have some faithful brothers and sisters who have walked the Lord a long time. Man, if you're not walking with the man, you're missing part of how God's put the church together. Young people, we need the old people. Us in the middle, we need both sides. We need one another. But if you're asking Blake, listen, man, I'm convicted today. I hear this text. I don't want to be the foolish. I don't want to be the lazy. What might compel me? I, I, need to, I know I need to do something. I just want to hit pause just for a moment. Say, listen, I, I want to run out and I want, I, I'm with you. Let's go storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. Let's do it. But if you don't know this Savior and love Him, and you'd ask, Blake, how could I ever love Him? Because He first loved you. It's, it's just never getting past the fact that there was a Son of God who was sinless and went and died on the cross, not for His own sin, but for ours. And it's that compellingness that there would be someone who would take the shame of my life. Here recently, I don't know what's been going on. I've just been having moments of flashbacks of just sinful places in my life. At times, I literally drive down the road and I shudder. And it's like, God, why did I do that? God, I'm so sorry. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your son. Like the grace of God just runs over me. And I'm just like, thank you, Lord. But I'm ashamed that I did those things. I said those things. I went those places. God, forgive me. And it's that love, that grace, that tender mercy it just overwhelms my soul. And I'm like, man, God, I can't wait to tell one person about you today. I don't know if it's going to be. I've been telling you guys about my buddy I've been sharing the gospel with. God's at work. You guys, thank you for keep praying. Keep praying. God is working. Man, I just, I'm just like, God, I just can't wait to tell somebody about Jesus, Lord. I want to be a part of what GBC is doing. I want to reach this community. I want to go to the nations. We we're talking to the kids the other day. We're riding on the road. said, you know what? Ten more months, Lord willing, we'll be back in Oklahoma. Like we're just like, man, I can't wait to be a part of that. Changers, I talked to that brother, like, man, let's do it. And he just encouraged me by his faithfulness yesterday, being in Russellville, serving. Just moments. I see you guys' lives. I'm telling you, when you guys are faithfully serving, man, it just blesses my soul. But again, if you're asking, what compels those faithful, beloved brothers and sisters in this church? They're in love with the master. They don't see it so much as what they have to do, but what they get to do. They're just overwhelmed. Like it, again, it doesn't mean they always get it right. It doesn't mean that we always know like we're perfect. 
But man, his love and grace and mercy has just, it's changed our soul. It's the truth, right? If the Son has set you free, what church? You're free indeed. It's the good news of the gospel. Beloved, hear me with everything in me as I close. I don't want you to be closed out of the kingdom. I don't want that to be you. So everything that is within me, I compel you this day. This day. Repent and believe upon Christ. It's the hope of salvation. There's no other offer. It's only Christ. And if you're in Christ, I compel you, let's go serve. Let's be faithful. I pray you would. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the hope of the gospel. We hope in Christ. May the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen us to minister faithfully day in and day out. I pray, God, that you would bring conviction, Lord, upon us when we're disobedient. Thank you, God, for how you've covered my sin. Oh, God, sometimes it causes me to shudder. So sorry, Lord God. I hear the words of Romans 6. It convicted me so heavily in my college apartment. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Oh God, I pray for the people who feel the shame and bondage that they would come to Christ. There's emancipator, Lord, that you can set them free. You took that shame. You bore the curse. You took the wrath. God, please let them come. Let them not carry that out. God, I beg it of you, Father. You are the good Father. You are the merciful one. You are looking for them. Oh, God, please. This hour, God, I beg it of you. And your mercy, draw them to you, Lord God. I pray it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.